The Guardian. Uwaga, Żurawski, Chorwat! Kirm 1 do 0! I to była ta jedna akcja! Wystarczyły jeden kiks Czaby Chorwata! Nie było żadnej waiting for 2012 because this is our chance to show the, all the world where is the Poland and what, 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 what can, can we do? Poland obviously it's got to be a great boost for, for the economy I think it's going to put Poland on the map. If you don't have a good history of institution, that institution has its roots, laws and regulations, there's always a field for corruption. I don't think that hooliganism in, in Poland is such a huge problem like uh, we can see it in foreign TV stations. I've been to many countries and uh, it, is, it is much worse in Ukraine, for example. The history of Poland is so complicated and it has, and has very great impact also on behavior of the Poles, so we were, we were not very positive. ago, when Poland was awarded the right to host Euro 2012, it was reeling from a huge match-fixing scandal. As the corruption inquiry goes on, and construction for the tournament continues, 2012 marks year zero in the rebirth of Polish football. I'm Jonathan Wilson, and for this week's Guardian Focus podcast, I've come to Poland to see how preparations for Euro 2012 are progressing. Poland's hooligan problem has been well documented. We'll be looking at the efforts made to eradicate the violence. As you can probably hear, I'm in a match at the moment. It's a quarter-final of a cup, and I'm at the Kazimierz Dana Stadium to watch Legia Warsaw play Rokhutsov. The way to my right, where the hardcore of Legia fans are, it's a massive white. The rest of the stadium is probably no more than half full, but as you can hear, they're making an enormous noise. As Manchester City fan, they played like Poznan, Fan culture is still very strong in Poland, but numbers may not be huge, but the fans are passionate and they make a noise unlike what we hear in the Premier League today. So it's, it's half time, it's 1-0 to Legia. Hasn't been a great game to be honest, so we're going to speak to some Legia fans to find out what they think about the European Championship coming here next summer. Very excited because our country is developing, yes, and and we think it's it will improve us as a country, and maybe more citizens will will come to to visit our country. We know that the corruption inquiry, the match fixing is, is ongoing. There's been 300 and however many arrests. Yes. Does, does that worry you, the corruption, or do you think now the worst is over? I think the worst is over, but it worries me because in the lower levels, in, in the lower leagues, it's I think it's still happening, it's still going on. I'm really excited, but I think that Poland is not really ready because our, especially roads, are not prepared for that uh, big amount of pe people who wants to come for Euro 2012. I believe that now it's a moment for Poland. Yes, I do believe that that this sets our footstep on the on, on the map of Europe. In the 1990s, a lot of uh, let's say aggression, corruption came from frustration that the new times didn't bring what people ha had expected. And now, since you know it all settled down, there is really no 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 actual reason for the for the uh, for, uh, corruption, for the for the aggression, and so on. So the game finished 2-0 in the end, pretty easy win for Legia, who go through to the semi-final. 
So I just popped down to the Mixstone to have a word with Pavel Abbott, who left Charlton just two or three weeks ago, and he was playing in front for the courts off tonight. So how do you feel things are going since you since you came back to Poland? Not bad, not bad. I'm I'm enjoying it, Enjoy, yeah. enjoying my time. Yeah, I was born in England, but but I've lived uh, quite a lot in, in Poland as well. So I've always felt I'm I'm uh, I'm more Polish than English, and you know I'm back home. So I mean, what, what were your reasons for for leaving English football and coming back here? Was it just you felt that Poland is your home, or was yeah. it footballing reasons, or what? Uh, well, no. I mean, I've I've always wanted to come back to Poland to play. Uh, my wife's Polish, and, and I've got most of my family. Uh, over here in, in, in Poland so you know I've always wanted to come back anyway as soon as I left to play in England I always wanted to come back and play in Poland. And what changes have you, have you noticed since you came back here? You know I, I played 10 years ago so it's it's come a long way uh, forward so uh, so yeah it's it's I mean you can see the stadiums you know great stadiums and you know it's 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 an appealing place to come now. Poland has undergone enormous transformation since the end of communism joining NATO and the EU, and embracing a capitalist society. I've come to Gdansk, the home of a solidarity trade union, which, under the leadership of Lech Wałęsa, represented the main opposition to communism. Once it became clear that communism was coming to an end, it was with solidarity that the Communist Party negotiated the transition to free elections. Poles have always prided themselves on their ability to resist oppressors, and it's no coincidence that Poland was the first of the Eastern Bloc dominoes to fall. Many solidarity activists were supporters of Lechia Gdansk, whose new PG arena will be used as one of the stadiums for European Championship next summer. Lech Wałęsa led the protests in the shipyards and went on to become the first post-communist president. He is, in a sense, the father of the modern Polish state. I'm just walking past the statue of Neptune outside the old town hall in Gdansk on my way to speak to Wałęsa, with whom we've been fortunate enough to arrange an interview today. President Wałęsa is a supporter of Lechia. And in 1983, when he was still under round-the-clock surveillance by the secret police, having been released from jail less than a year earlier, he was smuggled into the stadium to watch Lechia lose 3-2 to the great Italian side Juventus in the European Cup Winners' Cup. Solidarity banners were unfurled, and there was chanting against the communists throughout the game in a bold public demonstration of support for the movement. A month later, Valencia was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Can you explain how important football was for solidarity for the trade union? We had to do our best to get the best recognition possible at that time. We needed to build up foundation to turn the fight on. Sport was just one of the ways we met each other and found out how much we have in common. We were much closer thanks to football and we relied on these relationships. It was important. When Lechia, as a third division team, won the cup in the early 80s in what was obviously a very turbulent time for Gdansk, what did that mean for the city? What does it mean for solidarity? Well, we needed to show the Communist Party that they are not the only power in Poland of that time. They always tried to keep us down and marginalize us. So we had to unite. They felt really paralyzed by seeing how united we were during football matches. Was that victory as, a, as an underdog for the club, was that in some way symbolic of the struggle that it showed that that David could beat Goliath? There is something in your words, I must admit. You could interpret it this way. For some, it was a victory achieved by a great club. 
Others have seen us, as you said, as David fighting and winning versus Goliath. Winning the cup allowed Lecky to get into the Cup Winners' Cup and set up the, the famous game against Juventus. Can you tell us your memories of that game and tell us why it was such an important occasion? I was at the game. The stadium was fully packed. The crowd shouted solidarity name. It sounded really perfect. We really did upset the communists and all the secret police. Yes, it was a big moment of that time. Al solito parabola molto lunga, c'è lo stacco di Cabrini. E poi il tiro che porta il Lechia in parità. If we can move forward to the present day, can you tell us what having Euro 2012 in Poland means to the country, both in terms of, of economics and in terms of what it symbolizes? The problem is that we have no choice. We must thread Europe together. We must learn from each other. Poland could not afford to organize Olympic Games. So we must do everything we can to get to know each other in the best possible way. Poland needs more self-confidence and we all need more European unity. It is a political world indeed, and sport is not a part of that, but it will help us a lot. I just finished the interview and he's one of those people, he's actually he's shorter than I was expecting, but great life, great energy, a sort of um, a charisma about him, a real sense of having met one of, the, one of the great figures of the 20th century. I think the links between football and culture, they, they can, be, can be made in a very banal way, in a very obvious way, uh, that I think possibly isn't particularly true. But what President Valencia was saying there about how football brought people together, how it gave a basis to solidarity that wasn't solidarity, it was sort of a, an outlet for people. Uh, that gave a, gave a structure that, that kept people together. To hear that from somebody who's on the inside makes you realise how important football can be. It showed people in Gdansk, it showed Lekia fans, it showed people in solidarity that you can overcome huge odds. After the fall of communism, the romantic status of football was lost as hooliganism and match-fixing blighted the sport. Since 2005, an inquiry into corruption within the game has seen over 300 players, Referees, coaches and club officials arrested as the authorities desperately tried to clean up the sport. That process has been complicated by the fact ongoing scandals have undermined faith in the government. In the past 10 years, one sports minister has been murdered in what was widely believed to have been a mafia hit, while another has been forced to resign following the inquiry's revelations. I've come to the sports ministry to speak to the current sports minister, Adam Giersch, to find out what's been done to continue the fight against corruption and to strengthen the game in Poland. Standing in the lobby of the sports ministry, there's a huge map of Poland on the wall and it's covered in blue dots. Now, there must be several hundred dots, seven or eight hundred. Each one represents a location where these small pitches have been built. We're talking of up to 2,300 pitches being built as a result of the investment from year 2012. At the moment, we've got the ongoing inquiry into corruption in Polish football dating back to 2003, 2004, 2005. How, how now do you think we should, we should look at that? Is, that? is that something that Poland should be embarrassed about or should it be proud that it is actually tackling a problem that many countries have faced? Uh, 
rzeczywiście problem korupcji. It is true that we've had a big uh, match fixing scandal and corruption scandal in Polish football. But we're fighting against it. Uh, we've changed the sports law in Poland that helped us to fight against corruption in sports. And at the moment, over 300 people were accused, sentenced, or are waiting to be sentenced, uh, or jailed, of course, uh, previously, uh, because of uh, match fixing in uh, Poland. So I believe that we've made our success in stopping the corruption in football in Poland. But it is a continuous fight against it, because uh, the threat is now a little bit different. First of all, it has been the match-fixing. Now it is highly linked to the uh, sport betting. And in Europe, this is a big threat. And one of the main goals from the sports point of view in the Polish presidency that is about to come right now is uh, to fight against the corruption in sports by this meaning, the sport betting. So would it be fair to say that the European Championship is the biggest single stimulus to investment and growth that Poland has ever known. It's tough to say about the certain investments made only for Euro 2012. Obviously, these are the stadiums. We've uh, built the stadiums for Euro 2012 strictly from a public money with no private investments, and we've spent five billion of zlotys, which would be around a billion of pounds. And uh, these are, of course, the uh, investments dedicated to Euro 2012. All the rest, the highways, the railway tracks, the airports, would have been done anyway, but because of Euro, they were done earlier. I've come here to the headquarters of a local organising committee of the Polish branch of Euro 2012. I'm speaking to the president of the Polish FA, Gogoslato, Lato, who, of course, was the top scorer in 1974 World Cup, a great player through the 70s and early 80s. So with the with the corruption inquiry, with Euro 2012, is there a sense that next year is year zero for Polish football? This is where the fresh start begins, this is where you start constructing the new future for Polish football. I tell you, if you talk about corruption, about corruption, uh, it's not only a Polish problem. We've had the match-fixing scandals in uh, Italy, we've had the match-fixing scandals in Germany. The thing is that it's, it concerns the years of 2003 up to 2005, and we're still talking about it today. And in Germany, in Italy, it was, uh, there was a big boom and it was gone after half a year. And in Poland, it looks like media are speaking about it anytime the politics need to tell about it. So if there are any troubles in the country, we go back to the match-fixing scandal in football, which is unfair to blame only the FA about it. So it's 2011, and uh, we're speaking about it, the year 2003 and 4, and maybe the beginning of the year 2005. So it shouldn't be regarded as a problem now, but it's just the way it is in Poland. There is an issue of the ministers of uh, sports, at least one of them was... Uh, had to go because of the uh, corruption scandal. So let's better be silent about it, but let's be honest also, it's not the problem of the FA only. I'm now at Lekka Gdansk's new stadium, the PGE Arena. So construction's pretty well advanced. They're hoping to open on June 9th with a, a national team game between Poland and France. Uh, so I'm joined now by a spokesman for Lekia, Wasi Sofakowski. One of the things your club is famous for is having won the Polish Cup as a third division team in 1983. <laughs> what, what, what can you tell us about that and what did that mean for the town? We all the time back for, 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 for this history, but now we are determined to do something new. We want to, we, we want to create 
new history, new cups, new success for, for the team. This, this stadium is obviously part of that project. The capacity here is 44,000. Yeah. How many people do you need to come each week to, to make it economically viable? For the economic reasons, we, we need to 25,000 uh, spectators. Uh, so then just to give us some idea where you're building from, what would, what's the average capacity this season? I mean, you're fourth in the league at the moment, it's a, it's a, it's a promising season. Yeah. How many people go now? Uh, in, in this moment, uh, this is uh, 8,000 people. Do you think the type of person who comes to games will change? Because one of the things we saw in, in Britain in the 90s when we had a, a spate of redeveloping stadiums was that more and more middle-class people came, more and more families came to games, that the, the, the demographic of fans changed. Is that something you're, you're expecting? Is it something you're hoping for? Uh, that things change right now uh, because the middle class, the high class, very often on the, on the, on the match, right now and after this after opening this uh, this new stadium i think uh, that will change much more and i'm joined by uh mikhail fetchalkovsky who was who, who is the marketing manager of the stadium what would you say the the other economic benefits to gdansk of year 2012 is you got, I mean, you've got the stadium obviously which will will bring people in but what else is going on important in terms of employment impact uh, but most of all is the surrounding the whole area the location of the stadium um, it's not an accident, it's not a coincidence that we were building a stadium here. Um, this is a part of a big project of revitalization of the whole area. This is, um, so, um, but this was a little bit forgotten before. Uh, the stadium project um, has um, um, pushed the authorities and uh, private investors um, to think about the area as something, uh, a new part of the city. This is. Um, an outstanding chance for us to um, take a huge uh, leap forward and actually uh, catch up and become a more civilized and modern country. So we've just left Gdansk, uh, we're about 30-35 miles south on the A7. Uh, a lot of people have, have expressed concerns about the infrastructure saying that the roads and rail links won't be up to scratch by next summer. This road is, is single carriageway at the moment. The work's going on. We've seen further south than this, a, a lot of work by the side of the road. So stretches will be widened to dual carriageway. You know, it is quite slow going. At the moment, we're probably probably going at about 80 kilometers an hour. Um, and there's not really a lot of traffic around this morning. So obviously in the Euros, when a lot of people are moving north and south, those problems will be worse. The speed limit on this road actually has been increased on January the 1st. It went up from 110 kilometers an hour to 120. That's a populist move by the government. Uh, cars have become very important to uh, Polish people's self-esteem in over the last 20 years. They're a real way of establishing status, given they were so hard to get hold of during, during the communist period. It's a real, real means of self-expression. Being able to drive quickly, being able to speed, is seen as a means of self-expression with the cars that have come since the end of communism. For many years the perception has been that Poland has a problem with hooliganism. That's been on the decrease in stadiums in recent years, but there is a danger that the real hardcore of hooligans, those who fight in the so-called League of Hooligans, are merely moving their base of operations outside the cities and are now fighting in pre-arranged battles in the forests. You can watch this on YouTube, They're, it's an extraordinary thing to, to experience that it's very organised, one side will take their shirts off, so they're fighting shirts against skins, they'll have medical attention ready, and it's, it's almost seen as a sport in itself. To find out how much of a threat that is and whether it may cast a shadow over year 2012, I'm joined by Mikhail Kojajic, who's a journalist for Rzeczpospolita.
Uh, we saw in, in January a fight between fans in which rival fans went to the woods outside the city. Somebody was killed in, in those fights. Now, we, we've, we've been hearing repeatedly that uh, hooliganism in the stadiums is on the decline. Is there a danger that it's not actually been... The hooliganism itself is not on the way down, it's just moved to a different area? For me, it's... Uh I don't care if they want to kill themselves in 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 in, in forests or in woods, uh, but of course for a country, it's for for a government, it is a problem because often there are kids and they don't know what what they are doing. I don't think that hooliganism in in Poland it's such a huge problem like uh, we can see it in in uh, foreign TV stations. Uh, I've I've been to many countries and. Uh, it is it is much worse in Ukraine, for example. If Polish f- fans do something, they do it spectacular, uh, in a spectacular way. Uh, they they do it, and foreign TV stations show it. But it's it's accidentally. All Europe was scared when Poland qualified to World Cup 2006, and they behave like uh, completely normal, regular supporters from the western part of, of, of Europe. We've heard talk about this League of Hooligans, so this kind of fight club idea that's obviously connected to the to the battles in the in the forests. Is that a serious threat or is that something that's, you know, again being blown out of proportion? And is a fan at Ajax serious threat for uh, normal citizens of Amsterdam and Rotterdam? It's, it's dangerous if uh, if you if you can imagine that that uh, your your kid uh, can uh, have some stupid friends who will take him to this group, but if some if someone will come to, to Poland for Euro 2012, uh, not only because it is Euro and this is UFR, he will not have a, any problem. To give us a bit of sociological context about what football means to Poland and about what hosting Euro 2012 means to the country. I'm joined by Dr. Krzysztof Tomiczki, and he's a doctor of sociology from the Warsaw School of Economics. I mean, we've seen the corruption inquiry in, in Poland, Polish football recently, and that's exposed you know, corruption on a, on a massive scale. Do you think that's reflected in the rest of Polish society? And that is, is that affecting the opportunities people feel they have? Well, I, I think that it really uh, makes people think that there is nothing you can really count on. And uh, they also might lower people's confidence into institution on a more general level. So if you have some things to do in, a, uh, I don't know, for instance, if you want to have your own company, then it takes ages just to settle down your own company because of the regulations and, and things like that. And uh, I also think that uh, having a corruption in football in Poland, it's a... Uh, just you know the small piece of of the broader picture of corruption we have in, in in Poland which is of course decreasing and it's it's no comparison for corruption like it is in in uh, Russia for instance and this lack of faith in institutions in the establishment that you've mentioned do you think that also lies behind some of the hooligan problems that polish football seen yes i do believe that, that this is this might be a reason behind uh, that this 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 uh, i have to say huge problem we have in Poland uh, since uh, since most of the people who are uh, who call themselves hooligans, uh, they mostly recruited from very poor areas or f- poor suburbs or poor parts of big cities in Poland, where there is no opportunity for making a career, going to not even mention higher education, but even a secondary education. So you have to build up your own self-confidence in a way that you just need a peer group to support you and a very easy way to find this support and uh, 
building up your self-esteem is to join a hooligan group because then you find a self-confidence, you find a group of, of people who believe in the same thing and then it of course might be also related to the problem of organized crime. I mean, can you can you explain a little more about how the hooliganism relates to organized crime? Uh, first of all, being a hooligan from the sociological point of view is, is the first rule is being loyal, being loyal to the group. And uh, if you are loyal to a group and you just and you'll do everything that groups the, the group of people just uh, tells you to do or just believe you you have to do so, then it's a very straight way just to use this structure in order not to support your team, but to use the structure for uh, for uh, some illegal purposes, like for instance uh, drug dealing and stuff because. In the, in the in organized crime, the loyalty is is just is that the rule number one, and it, this is this is very similar to to the to the, uh, to the hooligans because the being loyal to the cr- to the club and to to your group is is of course also very important. We're just driving through a rural area now, um, looking about. It's very flat, fairly bleak. Uh, a lot of trees, a lot of birch trees and uh, pine trees. Um, just coming out into an open area now, it's sort of mud as far as the eye can see, um, all reasonably gloomy, and, and that's really how it is economically. As Poland has developed, the cities have developed much more quickly than the rural areas, and the result is that unemployment is higher in the countryside, young people are leaving the countryside to, to go to the cities, and as the older people who used to own the farms, as they're dying off, there's a real issue of depopulation in the rural areas. It's not just the big cities that are benefiting from year 2012. We're in Ostruda, a town of around 35,000 population. Six years ago, it was really struggling. Unemployment was up, and what jobs there were were based on the meat processing plant. Now it's taking advantage of its large lake and embracing tourism. We're at the luxurious Villaport Hotel, which has been designated as an accommodation centre for one of the teams at next summer's European Championship. And I'm joined by the mayor of Ostruda, Olga Dombrovsky. Can you tell me what was this area like five or six years ago? What were the problems the town was facing? No, to to powiedzieć, my żyjemy w regionie, który miał stosunkowo wysokie, wysokie bezrobocie. Yes, uh, Ostuda is a part of a region which is uh, struck by unemployment for years, and it's been a problem and still is in our city too. Um, we uh, look at developing uh, the city as a tourist and sports destination uh, and uh, we hope that this will contribute to uh, decreased unemployment and will uh, get people jobs. So what's been the impact of year 2012? I mean, does that just provide a focus or, or is it more than that? Yes, it, it does have an important and vital impact uh, on the development of the city. The fact that uh, we are nominated as an accommodation centre for Euro 2012 because uh, we got financing from the European Union for some of that project. So to get a closer look at how preparations are going for Euro 2012, I come to the National Stadium, which is in a state of semi-completion at the moment. Standing just in front of a statue which has been here since the 50s, classic, classic uh, socialist realist design showing relay runners, a baton being passed on. That's the only part of the old stadium that remains. Uh, behind that, you can just see the uh, the outer shell of a stadium going up. The red and white mesh will provide the, the distinctive feel, the distinctive design of a stadium because red and white the colours of the Polish flag. Uh, we're going to meet the chairman of the National Sports Centre, Rafa Kapler, and he's going to give us a tour of the stadium, explaining what's what, how things are, are getting on. 
just coming through into sight of what, what what will be the pitch because at the moment it's just full of, of cranes and and workers and I guess the, the infrastructure for the roof which will be lifted up. One of the, the theories that people put about now is that 500 years ago, 600 years ago, communities built cathedrals and now football stadiums, they're the new cathedrals, they're the great, um, great embodiment of a community spirit. Is, is that what you feel here, that this is a sign of a, a new Poland being born? Coming back, uh, you said 500, 600 years ago, uh, people used to b build cathedrals, but even earlier, uh, the, the communities built stadia as well, right? If you if we think about uh, the ancient Rome, I think Warsaw was for a long time was uh, was missing such a place where people could gather, where people where where people could go out uh, in the evenings. Uh, I think enough to mention uh, last year, we only had uh, two big events in Warsaw in London. Uh, at the O2 you have uh, around 200 events uh, per year. We're on our way now to see Martin Stefanski. He's the head of logistics at the Polish Football League. Um, I spoke to him six years ago when he was uh, the league director of the Polish Football Association. And back then he was very downbeat about the future. He, he seemed very skeptical about Poland's bid to host the year 2012. He was very concerned generally about the, the attitude of Polish people. He said, and this is a quote from a book, the mentality of people living in Poland must change. The Poles are always against everything. We have a long tradition of fighting the Russians, the Germans, and also each other. That's the problem. That's why we struggle to create anything. Back then, he insisted that Poland really just wasn't a football country. He said, in Poland, football is like a very ugly daughter. The parents say, okay, we have to have it, so we have to have it, but they don't really want it. We're going to see if Martin Stefanski thinks that Poland's attitude towards football has changed. Presumably these things go hand in hand, the, the corruption inquiry to clean up the game, the, the new infrastructure to encourage people to, to go to games, the new laws to help tackle hooliganism, make the environment safer. So those, those three things together, is this almost a, a new start for Polish football? Is this a chance to, to say this is a new beginning and, and we can move up? Yeah, we are, we are saying something like this. When uh, we established prof uh, Professional Football League in 2005, I can say that we have... Uh, this, it's only five years, but it was five years ago it was a completely different world. With all the all the problems, with uh, with the corruption problems, with the with the hooliganism problem, with the very bad infrastructure. So without even without pitch hitting, so th this th this that kind of that kind of problems. So, so we could not play in Genu in February in March sometimes. Now this uh, now the things are are over. So uh, now we we must work hard with a Polish Football Association. This is what we would like to receive from the FA the modern uh, youth development program. Something that fascinates me here is that when I spoke to you six years ago you seemed very very pessimistic about the future of Polish football. So I mean what's changed in the interim? Is it, is it just year 2012 or does it go beyond that? It was a typical thing connected with a transformation from 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 uh, communism through wild capitalism to to, to well-managed country. So we had a problem in the early 90s where sponsors of the clubs were, some of them were criminals not paying money. So it, it also w make made the things uh, worse. 
the decision, the impact of the decision of Euro 2012 played in Poland had, I think, the one of the most uh, important decisions in history of Polish sport. History of Poland is so complicated and it has and has very great impact also on behavior of the Poles. So we were we were not very positive, uh, and we w- we thought that we are not so worthy. That you had like low self-esteem as a nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, mm. uh, this is what I want to say. Yeah, and it was a good. Uh, I think it was a very good decision from a sign from Europe. Okay, allow Poland to do something good. After all these years of resisting the oppressors, the occupiers, the communists, finally this is a chance for Poland to create something to say this is us, this is ours. So it's actually a very important step in terms of the maturity of Poland as a nation. Yeah, yeah, it's something like this, something like this, because we are, everybody is tired in Poland about uh, thinking about past, wars, communism and all, something like this. I think it's, uh, if, even when the politicians are discussing about it, so, so the nation is tired. The nation doesn't want to, to hear about it, they w- we would like to create something. We are, as a Pole, very proud. Uh, a very proud nation, and we will be very proud that we could invite whole the world to see to see such an event. When I was here six years ago, I didn't see much hope for Polish football. Now the future seems much brighter, and of course, Euro 2012 is really the, the centerpiece of that. It's given an added focus, it's given added impetus to developments that, in fairness, probably already happening, but it has certainly increased the, the investment and the pace of change. Perhaps where the tournament will be most significant though is in the boost it gives to Poland's self-image. In the past week I've heard a lot of talk about how Poles were great resistors, they were always fighting against oppressors and after years of destructiveness this now is a chance to create a spectacle of their own. 25-30 years ago football was a way for people to stand up to communism, to express themselves, express their individuality, their, their own political beliefs. Now it reflects both the opportunities and the difficulties of a move to a market economy. You've been listening to the Guardian Focus podcast. I'm Jonathan Wilson in Poland, and the producer was Peter Sale. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.